Hello and welcome to the Talking Guitar Podcast, brought to you by the North American Guitar, the home of the world's finest guitars. In this episode, we caught up with the very brilliant and very busy Adam Buckwald. Adam, as you know, is the mastermind behind Irish guitars and, of course, Circle Strings. He also has big involvement in Allied Luthery. We talked about his passion for music, what inspires him, and, of course, his vision for the phenomenally successful Irish guitars. Adam, thank you so much for joining us on our Talking Guitar podcast. This is this is one that we have both been trying trying to get in play for a long time. I got to understand. You with your standing your standing desk going up and down. Um, mate, how are you? Great, things are going really well. They really are. You are um, yeah. you are uh, probably the busiest man I know in in the luthier world um and it's been amazing to have seen just from our first conversations at nam back in 2019 to now and i can even now i can see that you've got a lot of people trying to get your attention um <laughs> yeah yeah it's amazing to think back about that that was only what two years ago this summer i know Two, it was two years ago this summer, yeah. And that was yep. the first, first time that we'd actually properly met. And I remember going around the, well, we were just literally doing the, the deal with what was Cotton Music. And then right. um, we went and uh, I played one of your guitars and I was like, these are unbelievable. These irises are unbelievable. But I'd known mm -hmm. about you for years with Circle Strings. Um, mm -hmm. But... Um, yeah, I, and when we when we kind of went, we, we we left the show. We went around the corner and sat down, had a coffee, and you told me about this vision of what you had for the brand, mm -hmm. Iris Guitars, and it's completely come to fruition. I mean, it's amazing to see it. I mean, I know that you know from this was this was not a quick journey though. This you've been planning this for a long time, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, probably since, you know, for a few years before I met, met you there, um, you know, it just got to a point where, I mean, I was doing okay, doing a lot of repairs, doing a lot of custom orders and building guitars, but all the musicians I worked with doing repairs and played with were basically saying I, I could never afford a guitar from you you know why why don't you ever think about making something a little a little less fancy and less expensive but still play and sound sound the same and you know it took it took some thinking and hunkering down and figuring out what to save money on and figuring out what what we should use and what we shouldn't use and and how to manufacture them and it's I feel like we're we're like this close to to nailing it you know we we're on we're almost at 200 guitars now and um i think uh i think in the next six months we'll, we'll definitely have it all figured out and i got I got, I got nine guys here now and uh it's it's exciting to see everybody so excited about it as well because everybody is is you know has the same vision as i do like we can make great guitars and not have to charge, you know, five to 10 grand 
whereas you know most good guitars are these days and i mean to most people that's a that's a lot of money and yeah. even even spending two to three thousand it's a lot of money and you know we we still want to make the best guitar we can for that price i mean that's the thing because we we were the first people to bring your instruments i don't think were we the first dealer we i know we were definitely the first dealer in in europe yeah um, yeah you were the you were the first i think we shipped to yeah i mean when i, I honestly I, I remember playing it's you see a lot of you know phenomenal builders and phenomenal guitars and that was a great show that now but i do remember just picking up the first iris you had three on show um mm-hmm. i believe one of them one of them was a dg is that right DF, we had an OG and an AB. So we had two two of the newer models we came out with then. Oh, this was at at the first NAM. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was just an OG. So we yeah. did the uh I showed them at the Artisan uh guitar show um that April and met Jamie Gale there and he asked us to be part of the boutique showcase. So that's how we ended up at Summer NAM. Yeah. But just so just just take us back a little bit then, because you, you, you at the heart of it, you're a musician, right? I mean, you you play. Yeah. I was re- I was reading stuff on you. You play you play mandolin, you play banjo, you play guitar. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where the love of of, of music and, and guitars come into it, right? So when did you first pick up the guitar? Uh, I picked it up at I guess fifth grade. So I guess I was ele- ten or eleven years old. And my mom actually had a guitar from her childhood. It was a classical guitar. And um, one of my best friends was taking lessons with somebody and he taught me how to play Wipeout on the, on the <laughs> guitar. And I just became obsessed. Um, and, you know, I, I just loved it. And, I st- and then I got an electric guitar and started taking lessons and but I still stuck with classical guitar and my teacher like demanded that I learn the fundamentals and learn to read music and learn all the great classical guitar um, studies and, and composers and pieces. So I did that through, through high school, but I also played electric guitar um, and then went and studied music at the University of Vermont up here and wanted to do more electric and jazz guitar, but they wouldn't let me, so we had to. I had to focus it on uh, music theory and classical guitar, but kind of concentrated on jazz guitar. And at that wow. time, I, uh, I, st- I was, you know, into rock and roll and the Grateful Dead and Fish and and all the jam bands and everything. And and somebody played "Holding uh, in the Way," um, which a bluegrass band that Jerry Garcia was in and David Grisman and my head exploded and <laughs> that weekend I went out and got got a banjo and um, went out one night and, and might have taken some substances and just sat with the banjo for like six <laughs> seven hours and taught myself how to play and then I was hooked amazing and, uh, and like I could I could use my right hand really well from classical guitars and uh, with studying music theory, I was able to finger, figure out the fingerboard. And I just, I, 
I was missing playing with people because playing classic guitar, you just sit in a room by yourself. And it was it was nice to start playing with people again. And then, you know, from there, I just started to play a lot more and form bands and started gigging. And then after college, moved to New York City and worked for my dad, who was in manufacturing, but also pretty much did, did it to play music in New York. I mean, do you think that, because there are not there are a lot of luthiers that obviously are musicians and do play guitar, but there's a substantial amount that that don't. And right. do you do you feel for your own building from from both you know Iris and all the and circle strings and all and all the other guitars that you've you know worked with and, and luthiers you've apprenticed with? Um, do you feel that it it had you almost had one foot up? Because you could hear tonally things you wanted guitars to do. Is that is that been? Yeah, I feel like um, it, it was always hard for me to meet other guitar makers or other um, luthiers who who didn't play, and I just didn't understand why why they thought they could. I mean, I'm not saying they can't make a good guitar, but if you can't play it and know what the musician wants to get out of it, then I just don't see how you can relate to the musician in that way. <clears throat> that one of the, was that one of the things that you would enjoy then most about custom orders when someone would come to you for circle and say, um, I'm looking for this, this is what I do. This is how I play. This is the tone I want. I need it to, and is that you sort of take that challenge on? Cause that seems to be one of the, one of the, the most, um, the reoccurring things that I hear when speaking with luthiers, especially on these podcasts, is that's the most, that is the, the, the most nerve wracking thing, but also the most fun part about what they do is creating something that, you know, you're doing it for the musician. And then when you hear the musician playing it, that they come back to you and say, yeah, you, you've hit it on the head. This is exactly what I wanted. Yeah. I mean, especially for the weird and, and oddball instruments, you know, like some, I've done a lot of weird electric mandolins and banjos and small octave guitars and tenor guitars and just stuff that I, I I would love to have and play. So it was so exciting that somebody would say, this is what I would want and how I want it to sound. And then I got to create something basically for me, but um, you know, then they take it and do their thing with it. And that's, mm. that's the best feeling in the world when they, you know, love something so much that you, you know that you you made because you would want it you know and then mm. for somebody else to to feel that way about something you would have made for yourself so you know another i have to say another thing that really helped me with that was working with um you know michael millard at froggy bottom for many years he uh he was so good at talking to people and 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 um kind of making them decide and explain what they wanted in an instrument. And it, it's hard to, to, to explain sound and tone and, and feel and, and string tension and everything. And if you want the guitar to fight back or if you want to just have something easy to play and, and everybody plays different and everybody hears different and everybody, um, explains things different so you know hearing how he worked through some of the issues with people and how he came to some solutions you know it, it was really inspiring to see somebody uh able to do that and it was definitely you know a, 
the learning experience. And, and uh, I think it really helped me to the point where I'm at now, where I can talk to musicians in a lot different ways than I could have, you know, before that. And what a what an amazing human Michael Miller is. I mean, some of the guitars we were lucky enough to play and sell a lot of his instruments over the years. And I don't think there was a bad froggy. I don't think yeah. in in, all, in the ten years that we worked with him, uh, there was not one bad froggy bottom guitar that came out of it. It was it was almost, it was like Christmas when you would open the case. Um, yeah, and they and they you know we we build a lot. Um, you know, we build all the all the Irish guitars face down, like like he was doing with, the, like he does with the froggy bottoms. You know, like the old Spanish classical guitar makers do, and and I really think it helps with the sound um, and how the guitar uh, basically reacts as soon as it's strung up because it's built under tension, which a lot of guitar makers don't do. Um, and it's just it's alive immediately it doesn't doesn't take you know months or years to open up yeah, that's very true for iris that's very true for iris they really have an immediacy to them from the moment mm -hmm. you play them um and so what was your first so so when from that moment so this the musician side of you when did you decide that this road into becoming a luthier was the path that you wanted to take uh <clears throat> I was I was working with my father and he owned a manufacturing business in, in uh, Mount Vernon, New York, which is um, right above uh, um, Manhattan. And uh, it was my grandfather's business and it just seemed like that's what I was supposed to do was go back and work with my dad and, and take over the business. And, it was, it was successful when I was a kid and did really well. But in my twenties, um, when I started working there, you know, it was right after two thousand and one, um, and it just like we couldn't really compete anymore with with China and India and uh, Mexico. It was a metal stamping manufacturing, so we made a lot of little metal parts for the lighting and furniture business and electrical contacts for different things. And we just couldn't really compete pricing wise anymore between the cost of labor and the cost of materials. So, um, you know, luckily we were able to, to squeak by and do okay. And, uh, and it just, I was miserable, I hated it. And I was married at the time and my wife, um, I'm still married to the same woman, <laughs> but <laughs> she, uh, that I love very much and I'm very lucky, lucky to have her. And she, um, she was pregnant with our first child, um, my son, Charlie, who's now 14. And, uh, and I, I came home one night and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm miserable. I hate, I hate my life. You know, I, I don't want to take over this business and, and have to, you know, compete with all this, this, uh, this nonsense going on around the world. And, and if we did want to compete, we would have to make, um, 
parts for the military and, and I just didn't want to do that with my life. Um, so she, you know, we sat down and she's like, what do you want to do? And I was like, you know, I, I'm obsessed with guitars and mandolins and banjos. Maybe I can get into that. I was in a bluegrass band with a great repair guy at the time. And he, uh, his name's Bob Jones. And he was a great repair guy in Brooklyn. And he worked for Matt Umanoff guitars back in the seventies and eighties and just a fantastic luthier. And he, uh, he kind of taught me how to do a lot of stuff. And I, since I had all the equipment at my dad's factory, I made a, a mandolin and I made a banjo and I brought it to him and showed him. And then one thing led to another and I started doing more work with him and started bringing my own repair work. And then out of the blue, um, the owner of Retrofret called him and asked if he knew of anybody that needed a job. And um, cause their repair guy was, was moving. And, um, and it was like perfect timing. Cause I was, you know, I, I needed a job and I needed to find a way to leave my dad's business. And this, it was perfect. Um, so I went and met with them and took the job and started fixing guitars in New York city. And, and it was, it was great. And I built a few guitars there and one summer I went up to, um, Vermont Instruments School, and I built a guitar with a guy named George Morris, who taught there. And then went back to New York and started repairing more and, uh, and building more. And then George called me and asked me if I wanted to um, buy his school in Vermont. Um, so I, I didn't want to buy the whole school, so I moved up and we became partners at that business. And I taught guitar making for a few years with him. And uh, that got us out of New York, back to Vermont, where I went to college. And it didn't work out between me and him. Um, you know, personality-wise, and um, t teaching is really hard. And I admit, it, it was really hard for me to, to work with some students that, um, you know, came to the school thinking they knew how to do everything. And it was just, it just wasn't for me. Um, and I'm glad I figured that out then because uh, I left and met, you know, Froggy and then started working for him for a few years and then left that and one thing led to another and now I'm here. Amazing. God, yep. I didn't know that. Well, that is incredible. That really yeah, it's is. A pretty, it's a pretty great story. And so when you, um, at, where, at what point, so you, obviously you, you would launch Circle Strings when? When would you officially say that you launched that your, your uh, business? Probably, where, did the name, where did the name come from? I mean, I, I think uh, I figured that out in my head. My dad's, <laughs> my dad's company was Circle Metal Stamping. So I wanted nice. to honor, honor my dad and my grandfather and use Circle. And I didn't want to make just guitars but from the beginning. I wanted to make mandolins and banjos and and whatever with strings on it. So, and I was doing repair work. So I, you know, I chose the name Circle Strings instead of Circle Guitar. Um, I guess in 2007, I started, um, 2006 maybe. And then, you know, didn't make a lot of guitars when I moved to Vermont in 2008. Um, 
and then I, you know, moved up to Burlington in 2012, and that's when I pretty much started, you know, focusing on my own stuff. And and at what point did you um, did you have sort of Iris in the back of your mind, uh, or were you thinking, no, I'm just gonna do it? It, it was just it was, it was the it evolved with with time. yeah it it evolved with time and um i guess in 2013 or 14 i moved into a building with uh creston lee of creston guitars and i i i was in one half of the building and he was in the other and then i got into cnc work because of you know my history with my dad you know a little machining work and I just I started machining all my parts and then I started machining all his parts for him and then I was like well I might as well keep machining parts and make try and make an, a lot more guitars you know at a lower price point and then you know like I said the musicians said make us a guitar that we can afford and we'll buy them and it happened <laughs> it's amazing and when where did what was it at that point when you thought I'm going to need to have access to great materials, because that was the first thing you said to me about Iris when we, when we first were talking about them, I was like, how are you making these phenomenal instruments with this, you know, incredible tone words at the price mm -hmm. you're making them? Um, was it, was it then that you thought, okay, I'm going to need to, I'm going to need to find great supplies. And was that where allied, came from yeah. it is allied. i pronounce allied yeah. right I'm, i've got allied that right <laughs> yeah so they were they were a supplier in california and, and i worked a lot with them throughout the years and grant taggart i bought it from him but his father todd taggart started it and he actually started luthier's mercantile um, as well and then when he left Luthier's Mercantile, when they became Luthier's Mercantile International, he started Allied. Um, there's a long history with that, and I won't get into it. But um, Todd moved to Vermont in Stowe, which is probably about 45 minutes south of here. And, and I was talking to Grant one day, and I said, hey, if, if you ever want to move the business to Vermont, you know, let me know. I'd love to, love to help. And, basically trying to butter him up to sell me wood at a better price um <laughs> but i don't know if a few months later it was a weird time because a friend of mine had a building for sale and i was thinking about buying the building to move the shop to and i knew that my guitar business couldn't couldn't make enough money to pay for the building pay myself pay the employees basically couldn't afford it um so i was like well what can i do to to make more money um in this business and be able to afford to move into this building and and i got a call from grant saying he wanted to sell allied luthery so we, we figured out how to make it happen and i was about to to buy this building and move everything to it, but it fell through luckily because it was too small anyway. Um, but I knew that buying that business would, would help the guitar business tremendously because 
One, it would provide all the material in-house that we could choose from to use. And two, it would be able to, you know, bring in more income and be, uh, you know, a better business model than just making and selling guitars because selling wood and parts and, and CNC services for other builders is definitely um, more financially stable than making and selling guitars. Wow, it's it's um, so you've got your whole supply chain under one roof, yeah. basically. Yeah, and and the best thing about it is like I started going into Allied saying I was only going to buy wood from other guitar makers or other wood uh, wood suppliers to the guitar industry, and since I bought Allied, you know all these guys and um, people in the industry have been contacting me saying, we have all this material, we're retiring, do you want it? You know, or you should call this guy, he's got all this. Um, I'm sure he'd love to sell it to you. Um, and I, it's just in New England alone, I've been able to buy out three or four people in the last two years with the most amazing collections of tonewoods I've ever seen and they're all here now and and we just have so much work to do to process them and get them available to market you know we we have a list of everything on our website but I mean there is so much more here that it's insane I just had Steve Nally here last week or a couple days ago he's the head production manager at Collings and he was in town visiting so he came and stopped by and his eyes were like, oh my God, I can't believe all this wood here. You have, you have so much work to do. And he was so impressed with what was going on here. And just to have somebody like that who's building at that caliber and that with that kind of business um, say that about what we're doing here, you know, it really felt good. And it really felt like we're, we're doing the right thing. That's incredible. Um, it really is. And when did where so how long have you known Dale? What was what where does Dale fit into this? You know, the the, the amazing Dale Fairbanks, mm -hmm. the legendary um, Dale Fairbanks. <laughs> I don't I, I I can't remember the first time I met him, but I, I loved his work. He he was mm. doing oh man, yeah. I mean his guitar just every, made, every, made you weep. Yeah. Out of everybody I knew in this industry, like he, he, his guitars just spoke to me the most. Um, you know, they were built in the vintage style. They they played great. They looked great. They weren't unnecessarily gaudy or over the top or didn't have, you know, crazy this or crazy that. And, you know, and he was building for the musician like, like I was doing. And I just, I, I admired what he was doing. And I, I got a, uh, I think the first time we really hung out was I got a new sander at my shop in Burlington and I had another one I was selling. So I think I posted it on Facebook or something and he, he drove up to Vermont from Connecticut to buy it. And uh, he met me and Pat who was working with me that helped me start Iris. And um, we just got along really well and kind of became fast friends and then saw him at Woodstock a few years after uh, guitar show and just I mean, kept, I, the I remember. Yep, kept the friendship 
and uh, and when I was when I was thinking about buying Allied, I called him. I was like, should I do this? And he's like, yeah, you should definitely do it. I think it'll be really good for you and your your vision and and blah blah blah. And and I I, I just trusted what he was going to say, and um, so I bought the business, and then and then we started Iris, and I was like why don't you move up here, you know, help me, help me uh, build this brand. And why don't we just put all our brands together into one business and just build up a good crew, make, make Iris guitars, make Fairbanks guitars, make circle strings guitars. Um, you know, I, I own Allied. I'll have everything here. I'll have all the machinery from Allied, you know, and the, the CNC machines. And I had, Will Hilton, who was a great CNC programmer working with me. And he, he never did anything like that alone. So when he when he was given that opportunity, he, he immediately said yes. And he came <laughs> up with his wife and his couple of kids and we chatted and figured out how we were going to do it financially and logistically. And and they they took the chance and did it and moved up. And um he said he knew along, all along it was going to happen this quickly, you know, with, with Iris and everything going the way it's been going. But I didn't think it was going to happen this quickly. You know, we, we I, went I, to I, NAM, I, we went to NAM that summer and we got some, some orders and then it was enough that we could handle. And then went to NAM that winter and got some more and started doing a lot better, but just, and then COVID hit and we were both like, fuck, how are we going to do this? <laughs> you know, and like, I just hired a, a guy drove out here from Colorado. He worked with Michael Bashkin, um, this guy, Teddy Epity. He just drove out all the way from Colorado and he gets to Vermont, works for me for like three or four days. And I'm like, I, I got to lay you off. I can't do this, you know, with, with COVID. And we had orders to fill and, I had to lay him off until we could get back to work. And then luckily he didn't move and I brought him back. And another guy came out that he knew there, this guy, Steve Miller, who apprenticed with uh, Dan Earlywine and incredible luthier. And, um, and luckily I had, you know, this guy, Nick Durkee, who's working with us, who's the, he's pretty much the, the head luthier in the shop now, you know, um, bracing and voicing all the plates now that you know and uh, assembling the boxes and he's he's been with me since the beginning and um, it's it's exciting to see how you know how good he's getting and how fast he's getting and how um, he's able to help other people get to his level you know all these guys are in their 20s and just are way better than Dale and I were ever at that age and it's so cool that they're so excited and and enthusiastic to build this whole new brand of guitar because I feel like nobody else is trying to do this you know like there's there's all the other brands that have been around for 20 30 years and then there's so many other builders now that are just doing it by themselves you know where it's like we're really trying to assemble a, a, an amazing crew build a brand and and make 
you know, more than a few guitars a month. And, yeah, but that's know, just that. Sorry, I interrupted you then. No, I was done. There's just that. There's a vibe about Iris. There's just a. Mm -hmm. like you can't just. You can't describe it. I mean, when you said that Dale was saying um, that he knew that it was going to go that quickly, I, I can second that. I really felt mm -hmm. when we got the first. I think we got uh, like five or six into the old UK showroom. Yeah. And I remember playing them and telling the telling the guys like these guitars are incredible for the price i mean mm -hmm. they are incredible and as soon as we'd done the content on them and they'd sold and it 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 kind of you felt like there was just a little a match had just been dropped and it was just kind of this thing was kind of spreading and yeah and then you know as soon as as soon as we got them into nashville i mean they just they just never hung around and you know that's the, that's always the thing when you bring a new brand in. And Kimmy, bless her, when I was, I've got this new brand called Iris. You're gonna love them. And when she first, she she was like, oh, not, you know, who are these guys? And what? And first time mm -hmm. she played it, she was like, wow, this is an amazing guitar. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's it's just been awesome to see them, you know, supported by, you know, some of the big retailers like Chicago Music Exchange and all mm -hmm. those kind of guys. Um, I mean, just looking, I was, before we jumped on, I was looking at all of the incoming orders we've got for, with you guys. And I know that we've actually been ordering more guitars whilst you're making these ones because we get custom orders coming through. Um, but you must, uh, yeah, you must sort of pinch yourself because it has kind of, and, and I did a fabulous video done the other day by Matt Eddies and, yeah, it's just it's just great to see that kind of it's just this thing is spreading, and I think that there is a um, it's a, there's a uniqueness to the brand because everybody knows that you're all in it together. You're like this little this brotherhood, <laughs> you know, yeah, all in it together and building something that is is completely new. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's I couldn't have asked for you know better timing too. Um, just with the guitar market the way it is and with people seem to be getting back into it and more people are are buying them and, and all the all the manufacturers are kind of, you know, um, delayed because of COVID and orders are backed up that we're able to, to fill a niche that's that's needed right now. And, you know, the product we're putting out, I think, is far superior than anything in that price range. And um, it was just a per perfect timing, a perfect storm, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. But they say that that comes from the many years of hard work that you've been putting into beforehand. So yeah. long, I mean, long this, may continue. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're not going to make millions doing this. Everybody knows that, you know, making guitars is not not a, a job to get rich um but we love going to work every day we love making something and seeing people play them and and love them even more than we do and uh it's, it's just a great thing um to be able to to end the week and see what you did hanging on the wall and know that right. when you ship them next week they're going to be hanging on you know your shop's wall or 
or some other dealer or somebody's living room that we made a custom guitar for. And, and you know, you get the letters and the emails or the phone calls from these people saying, I've been looking for this guitar for 20 years. Like, it's amazing that you guys have finally figured out how to make something that is somewhat affordable and uh, plays and sounds this good and is somewhat different than everybody else. You know, I know, I, I, I know they, the style looks a lot like some name brand guitars. Um, I'm not supposed to say the name. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And some of the styles that, that they make, but I, I feel like we're, we're guitar makers. We know how to make these guitars the actual musical instruments and not just a guitar hanging on a wall, you know, an object. So we all have trained and gone to school and have worked for this for years to, to get to this level of, uh, of craftsmanship and, 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 you know, output that we can do every week here. And I mean, you gotta have the passion and the heart before anything. Oh, before anything. I mean, that's, that goes, that doesn't matter what industry you're in. You gotta love mm -hmm. it. You gotta get up every day, even when it is, you know, even when it, the cards are you know not going your way, you've got to still want to love what you do and get up and fight for it. That's that's yep. it. Um, and it's um, so so of the sort of forty odd, we got I think we've got about forty irises on all of this year. I know we've got we've got mm -hmm. six six shipping, five shipping this week, four shipping this week. Um, what is your favorite? If you could pick one of your pick one of your Models, favorite what guitars you, yeah what would you go for i mean the de11 it's it's unlike anything around you know it's it's such a cool guitar to and it's so different and and i know i get a lot of eye rolls from people and saying give me a break <laughs> it's so stupid like why would you put capos in the fingerboard and the extended nut and your your peg head is so ugly and i hate your logo and all this shit and but we love that guitar it's just it's it's so fun to play and you can come up with with tunings and and notes that you would have never thought you could do with with this capo system you know you can the the thing that dan designed was the the four inner string capo so you can have a drop D tuning, but still able to play a G chord normally. So if you put the capo on the second fret, the four string capo, you have a, an, you know, a D tuning, but you could play the G chord normally and it, it's fantastic. And you can, play, you can have the low um, D when you play a, a D chord and you could walk back up to the G chord. So if you're a musician and you, you know how to use bass lines, it's a lot more, you could do a lot more than you can with a regular guitar. Yeah. You, you know, as far as playing walking bass lines or, or different kind of chord voicings. And tell us about the artist line that you've got. Tell us a bit more about that, where that came from. Uh, Sarah Ryan is a great painter up in, uh, in Vermont here and she did all of um, 
Creston Guitars, who we shared a shop with, she did all his uh, graphic design work and hand painted his electric guitars, you know, a lot of um, Tele style and, and jazz master style guitars. And she just, she just blew my, blew my mind the second I saw those guitars. And, and for years and years and years, I asked her to try and do it on an acoustic guitar. And she said, no, no, you know, I only do it on electric and I'm only gonna do it for Creston. Um, Collings even approached her many years ago to ask her to do it on, on um, some of their guitars. And she said no to them. And, you know, she saw what we were doing with Iris and really liked, you know, what the vibe was. And I said, well, can we please think about doing this again? And she said she'd think about it and she did just never wanted to go a custom route like she did with Creston, like everything was custom done. Um, they could say what they wanted and she would paint it, you know, or they, they said, can you do this um, idea with these kind of flowers or this bird or this butterfly, or, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But she, she, she's like, I'm not doing that with anybody else but Creston. And I said, all right, let me think of something else. So I said, why don't you come up with a design and we'll do a limited run of each design. Let's just start with one and do 12 and see what people think. Um, so we tried it on um, three of them. And I, I, Kim was the first person <laughs> yeah. I called. I know, I know. And I, know. <laughs> and I was like, this is going to be, this is going to be amazing. And she's like, I don't know. I just don't think it's going to do well. And I'm like, this just screams Nashville because it's yeah. so, it's so nudie suit, um, you know, vibe. Uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's it just looks the part. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, I'm telling you, it's going to do well. And we immediately you sold the you, first room. Yeah, you said to me, you're like, what do you think? I was like, yep, just send them. Yeah. Just send them you, to Nashville. Yeah, you were like, I'll take all of them. I'm like, I, I wish I could, but the other two are already sold. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, I have a list of 12. You know, I'll put you down for two more of them. Um, and then the phone just started ringing and every, you know, those 12 sold out, I think within a month. Yeah. And we're shipping um, another one to you this week. And we did one for Margot Price, you know, great singer, songwriter. Um, um, and, you know, there's, I think, I think another dealer's getting one more, but you guys are getting the majority of them. And um, the other ones are all custom ordered. I just, they, yeah, they just, I didn't even, I don't think even made it onto the wall. I no, it was like but, but a demo, a demo done and bang out the door. <laughs> I think that the next design is is going to be killer. And I, oh, I love the black, the black one. Is it the is it that one? Yeah. Oh, I the love black that one's guitar, coming man. to you. Yeah. Oh, Here, I'll God, go get is... it. Hold on. Oh yes. It's unfortunate for everybody listening to this podcast because you can't actually see the guitar, but we're going to oh, put no. it up. Yeah, they won't be able to see the guitar, but. Um, we can as soon as soon as it comes in, it's it's gonna get straight. Oh my gosh! Look, that is. I mean, I want it. Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah, so they're all they're all hand painted. Everybody thinks it's stenciled on, but she she uh, 
It's all, there's no stencil. She does it all. All it's Nashville. Hand. I mean, you can see, you should see that. You can almost see that as a giant guitar in Nashville. Yeah. You know what I, mean? I agree. Um, uh, Adam, I, I, um, thanks so much for taking the time to chat. I know, I know how busy you are. Um, and um, yeah, all I can say. This is the, the fifth time we've tried to schedule this. I know, I know, mate. And we had so much fun when we got to hang out in in Nam that time with you, me and Dale. And um, really so are you forward. in, are you in London right now? Yeah. Yeah. I was, are you we, going we, to Nashville? Yeah. Which we're waiting for our visas. We're waiting for the visas. So we're moving there hopefully in, well, we should be getting them in the next, I hope two months. And then the whole family, we're all moving out there. So excited. Can't tell really? you. Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know the whole family was going. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I couldn't leave them here. <laughs> but you're not going to summer nam no i can't make summer now unfortunately because we because of, because of covid we can't get out mm. there which is really frustrating um mm -hmm. but i think you know it it seems like now that the world is getting vaccinated it's opening up a little bit more and i'm hoping that soon we'll as soon as we get the visas we'll be we'll be there i just just can't can't and wait for and that. your family's excited for that Oh my God. Yeah. So much. So we, we just can't wait. Wow. An Very exciting chat. We still got the team in London and, uh, and in the UK and, you know, we still got this, you know, Richard and Annie and Guy and Chris, mm -hmm. there's, there's a whole team here, but it feels like there's an opportunity in Nashville for us to, to go there for a three or three to five years, basically, and, and build up some exciting things with you and uh, a couple of other Great. people. <laughs> But um, man, I must—I was going to say, as you were talking earlier on about your father and his business, he must be very proud of what you've done with yeah. local strings. He—he he, he comes here and just walks around. He's—he's—he's he's, uh, he's eighty now, and he still has a great personality, and he's, you know, my best friend, and I, I love him to death. And he—he he just says. Oh, He's like, I wish I could come and work here. He's like, this is exactly what, you know, I would have wanted to do with my life, with something I love, you know, just to make something and do something you love and make money at it. And he walks around and he's like, I can't believe you're doing it. So, he, I mean, he even says the minute I walked into his office and said, I'm, I'm quitting the business and I want to do this. He looked at me and he's like, are you out of your fucking mind? You know, like, <laughs> here's a business with all the equipment, the employees, everything. You don't have to do anything. But I was miserable and I needed to do something to fulfill my heart. And, and it's working. Amazing. Adam, that's an inspiring story, mate. It really is. Thank you. Well, I, the only the only thing that I'm really disappointed about is that I'm not going to be in Nashville to play that guitar because I know I'll just have to sit here and listen to the phenomenal yeah. Carl, Carl Miner doing his thing on it. I mean, um, I mean, I think that they sold it already to somebody in Switzerland. I think Kim said. Oh, I mean, there you go. <laughs> there you go. We got to get a video on it though. It's got it. We can't let it go anywhere yeah. without getting Carl on it. No way. Um, yeah. Well, listen, I, I can't wait to see you soon and have a beer um, and um, have some kind of 
form of normality. Will you be doing any of the winter NAM or anything like that? Yeah, we're, we, uh, <coughs> I actually reserved a booth for Iris for winter NAM. We're, we're very excited and um, we're going to Woodstock in the fall too. Uh, there was a table opened up and I'm going to go there with Allied and bring some wood. And we have some uh, Irish guitars we're going to show as well. I am going to try and be there for that. To Woodstock? Yeah, I'm going to try and get down to see you there. That was because I got the, we had a great time hanging out with um, with Dale there. Yeah. Um, and it was one of, it was it was getting dark there was a fire burning somewhere i had a beer in my hand and i turned around and literally bumped straight into dale and i was like oh hey dale and he's like oh hey you're here you know it's, it's got that great community <laughs> feel hasn't it you know you just everybody yeah. everybody gets there um well, listen, i don't want to take up too much of your time but thanks so much for taking um time out of your very busy day to do this talking guitar podcast and we'll do all of the editing and all the bits and bobs to it. But I just want to say from TNAG, thank you so much for building these brilliant guitars. And it's, it's amazing to be a part of the journey with yeah. you. Well, thanks for uh, having us and, you know, taking the chance on us and, and, you know, uh, we wouldn't be here without you guys. So thank you. I appreciate it. It always gets a bit emotional at the end of these things. <laughs> <laughs> Right, I'm gonna. It's now eight o'clock in the evening. I'm gonna uh, have a have a have beer, a... and I'm gonna see if the get, the sun literally looks like it's just coming out here, and it's been raining all day. Same here, in English summertime. All right, man. Good to see you. Thank you. All right, buddy. Take care. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talking Guitar. For more information on the world's finest guitars, please visit our website at the North American Guitar dot com.